thank you that you shall be awesome in this place tonight. Oh, we open our hearts and we receive from your spirit. And we give you praise for revelation. Revelation knowledge tonight. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the children tonight. You are dismissed to children's ministries. Have a wonderful time. Pastor Mark is actually down at Jubilee preaching tonight. Isn't that awesome? So you may be seated, and we're going we're gonna to pick up <clears throat> where we left off two weeks ago when we were talking about, do you have revelation from heaven? So this is, do you have revelation from heaven, part two. And, um, you know, I want, you, I want to know how many of you were here two weeks ago when, we, when I shared on that subject. Let's say this, how many of you were not? Okay, that helps me. All right, you can get the CD in the bookstore. You know, you can get the CDs of our uh, services at no charge. They're in the bookstore. And if you don't know where our bookstore is located, you just go right out these doors, turn right, and take your first right down that hall. It's right there on your left. So you can get it there. You can also get copies or you can view our services online on our website at heartofthebay.org. And you just go under the media tab. And the Sunday morning and Sunday evening services are actually on video as well. And then the Wednesday nights are on audio. So you can um, uh, tell you, you can saturate yourself in the Word of God and hear the message again and again so that you hear further revelation of what God is saying to us as a church. So two weeks ago we started talking about how vitally important it is for us to have revelation from heaven. And we use Peter and the disciples as examples. Men who walked this earth with Jesus. I mean, they lived right up close with him. Some people might say, oh, geez, if I could only walk with him, if I could only see him, if I could only talk to him. Well, these folks did. I mean, they traveled with them. Do you know that you get to know somebody when you travel with them? Isn't that right, Justin? That's right, you sure do. You're right up and personal, right close to them. Well, they walked with him, and they, were, they actually partnered with him in ministry. They observed with their own eyes the miracles that came forth from his ministry. And you know what? They participated in them. Yet there were so many times, many, many times, that they did not walk in revelation from heaven. They would lean to what we talked about last week, to their own understanding. And so we took Proverbs chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, and we read that from the Amplified, and it said, Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your what? Heart. And do not rely and lean on your own insight or understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him and recognize Him. And he will make your paths what? Straight and smooth. He will make the crooked places straight. Removing obstacles that block your way. And then it goes on to say, do not be wise in your own eyes. And so that was a very good scripture for us to use as a foundational scripture. Then we looked at Matthew chapter 16 and starting in verse 1 and we talked about how the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they, were, they came together. 
They were actually not people that worked together at all. And we talked a lot about that. So you can hear that on the CD if you pick it up. But they wanted to trick Jesus. They wanted to trip him up. And so they came together in covenant to try to do just that. And they wanted to ask him if he would do certain signs from heaven to prove and support his divine authority. And of course we know what Jesus said, no, there's not going to be a sign from you. There'll be no uh, interpretation uh, of scripture because they just did not have the heart for it. And without interpretation of scripture, you have what? No revelation. No revelation from heaven. And oh my, we saw how, off, how awful that was in the life of people. And how we have to be sure that we're walking in a place where we're hearing from heaven and receiving revelation from him. Well, I went on to say, Jesus said to them, to the disciples, you got to watch out. you got to watch out for something. What was it? you got to be on guard against the leaven of the Pharisees. Well, the disciples didn't have revelation. They started thinking, what's he talking about? You know, is he talking about the, the fact that we have no bread with us? They're thinking natural. He's talking about spiritual things. Why would he even be concerned about that? They just got done feeding the 5,000 plus women and children on two fish and five loaves of bread. So why would he be concerned about bread? But that's where they were at in this conversation with him. So they get to the other side of the sea that they were traveling on and They get over there and Jesus begins to ask Peter a question. And he says to Peter, who do people say that I am? And of course the response was, some say you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you know what, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. And upon this rock, this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. And we talked more about that last two weeks ago. But... You know, it's amazing how one minute he can be walking in no revelation and the next minute he has revelation of who Jesus is. Then Jesus went on to foretell of his death. We saw that. And how Peter began to say, oh, no way. This is just not going to happen. And so he privately pulled Peter aside to rebuke him. And he said, "Uh, Peter... Uh, began to reprimand him, saying, My God, forbid it. This will never happen to you. So Jesus turned to Peter and he said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You are in my way. You are an offense. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And I like the way the message version says, it says, Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. 
I've been using that this week. How about you? But you know, to hear those words, can you imagine Jesus saying to you, you are a stumbling block to me? You are in my way? You know, sometimes we are in the way of the Holy Spirit to even do things in our own life. To bring blessing or healing or restoration or wholeness or in the life of others. So, Jesus went on to say this to Peter. Anyone who intends to come to me has to let me lead. This is the Message Bible. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Hmm. Being led by the Spirit of God. Having redemptive revelation. So things didn't happen the way that they all thought. And many times things don't happen the way you think they're going to happen. But again, Peter did not have revelation of the way that his own redemption would be obtained. And he was coming against that. So we have to be mindful to seek him and to keep lifting up our, our soul our hearts to him and say, Lord, what about this? Teach me. Grant to me a spirit of wisdom and revelation and insight in the knowledge of you and your word. Because we know God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. So we we don't want to be one minute speaking from the spirit of God and the next speaking from the spirit of the enemy. We can miss God's revelation to our heart by simply leaning to our own understanding. But we're not going to do that. We're not those kind of people. We're going to, in all our ways, acknowledge Him. He is present in your life. Acknowledge Him. He is God in your life. He's awesome in this place on the inside of you. He's not trying to keep things from you. He's trying to get things to you. He wants to impart revelation, but you've got to ask Him for it. You've got to desire it. You've got to seek after it. You've got to dig for it like treasure. The wisdom of God is available to you. In James it says you ask. But ask in what? Faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is tossed like the sea. And let not that man think he will receive anything of the Lord. So stop saying, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Stop saying that. And begin to say, I have the wisdom of God. I know just what to do. God's going to show me the way. He's going to make the crooked places straight. He's going to bring light where there's darkness. He will enlighten your path. Amen? Amen. 
And so again, we know Jesus was talking about the leaven of the Pharisees, which was, um, it was the false doctrine that was coming from the religious leaders, the political leaders of that time. So, just about eight days later, we're going to fast forward a little bit. Eight days later, Luke begins to record in his gospel another incident. And I just thought it was interesting that Luke was the one that recorded this in his writings. You know, his writings were more um, entailed. They were more, de- they were not more detailed, but entailed with relational issues. He was a relational person. All the Gospels were written by men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. But they had different personalities. And it's reflected in their writing. And so um, he began to speak from the place where his bent was. And I know we've kind of talked about this before. I know Pastor Tom has, I have. um, I'm sure pastors have as well about personality bents and personality profiles. And I know, uh, I've talked about the DISC personality profile, the D-I-S-C, and and the animal kingdom. And so we can see that in the Gospels, in the writings of those. For example, uh, Mark was a D. He was a domineering uh, personality, sort of like a lion. He was assertive. Those types of leaders are amazing people, those types of people. His name actually was John Mark, you know. And he was a teenager. So that probably had a little bit to do with his assertiveness in his writings. He was task-oriented and he was fast-paced. So D people, excuse me, they are people who want the bottom line. They really don't like a lot of detail. They want to just get to the point. Come on, get to the point. And so... um, it's really one of the shorter Gospels. It's like 37% shorter than Matthew. And then we have John. John was the I personality in the DISC. And that I person is an inspiring person. They are like in the animal kingdom, an otter. And so he was animated. His name was Jubilant John. The disciple whom Jesus loved, you know? And so he was people-oriented. And he, again, as a sanguine personality, as a I-inspirational, he was very fast-paced. Because they don't always have a lot of details. They just like to have fun. And they like to jump around. As a matter of fact, he jumped all the way back to in the beginning. (laughs) And then he brought the story forward. So that was part of his introduction, but... Um, He was emotionally expressive. And he actually speaks about love 27 times in his gospel. And then we have Luke. Luke was the S personality, the steady, stable one. The golden retriever in the animal kingdom. The Labrador. And, you know, they're just wonderful animals and pets to have. And um, so he was likable. He was also a physician, so he was interested in people. He was people-oriented. But an S personality just has a slower pace. And you can see that in his writings. There are more details there. So um, he had a lot more conversation and focus, again, too, on relationships, as did John Mark. Then we have Matthew. Matthew was the C. And the C personality is very analytical very calculating, 
very um, perfectionistic. They're the beaver in the animal kingdom because they always have their nose to the grindstone. They're working hard. They're very, very methodical. Matthew was very well educated. He was, as we know, a tax collector. He was in the accounting field. And so he was actually uh, task-oriented. And you can see that in his writings. And there was a slower pace. It was very analytical. There's a line upon line and precept upon precept. And it was fulfilled. And this came to pass. And it was fulfilled. So he brings it all out and shows that in his writings in the Gospels. But again, looking at Luke and the incident that we're talking about, in Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 56, it says this. He sent some people ahead of him into the territory of Samaria, speaking of Jesus, because it was just about to be his time to go to the cross. So he sent them ahead, and he, waited, uh, he wanted his messengers to find a place for them to stay in a village along the road to Jerusalem. But because the Samaritans realized Jesus was going to Jerusalem, they refused to welcome them. They wouldn't extend any hospitality to them. Why? It was due to racism. See, those same spirits have always existed because they do not die. And they try to stir things up. And so James and John, they were outraged. What do you mean? There's no place for Jesus. There's no place for us to stay. So they turned to Jesus and they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy these people who have rejected you just like Elijah did? Well, Jesus' response in turning to them, he shook his head. He said, you just don't get it. You don't get it. The Son of Man didn't come to ruin the lives of people. He came to liberate the lives of people. So there was what? No revelation. There was only just this thing of the flesh that wanted to rise up. This anger. That does not produce anything good. And we need to take authority over that in our nation. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. Where are we in time? Okay, chapter 17. We're going to look here at the life of Elijah and see some things that happened in his life. So Elijah, in in chapter 17, we see here that, you know, he called, he prayed. And as he prayed, it says in verse 1, Um, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And then the word of the Lord came unto him. Now this was a very interesting thing. He was speaking to Ahab and to the people of that nation, you know, Jezebel. And so they believed in Baal. And Baal was the God that they believed controlled their weather. So here was Elijah stepping up as the prophet saying, there's not going to be any rain. So that told them something. Whose God is God? He was bold about that, speaking to the king. 
there's not going to be any rain. And without rain, there's no crops. Without crops, there's famine. And so we see that he walked in, in that place of authority and in power and in demonstration. And so we go on to see that um, the next situation there in chapter 17 is where he comes to the lady who's the widow. And she has no food. And he's hungry. And he says, hey, give me a cake to eat. Give me some food. And she says to him, you know, I just don't have anything left but a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And my son and I are going to eat it and we're going to die. And he said to her, well, tell you what, you make a cake for me first. Now that took some faith, don't you think? You know what else it took? It took a spirit of generosity. It took a spirit of respect for the man of God. And so she did, just as he said. And as she gave it to him, it caused something to happen in her life. It caused provision to come. So you may think your little is nothing, but your little is much when you put it in God's hand. He multiplies it. And that's exactly what he did. He multiplied that. And there was uh, enough flour and enough oil for her to make substance and provision for her and her son for the rest of the famine. Where nobody else ate, she ate. That took some boldness for the prophet to come to town and tell the widow lady to give him the last of her food and not give it to her little son. That he knew something. He had revelation. Revelation from heaven about the law of sowing and reaping, about obeying the voice of God. He was speaking as the voice of God. And she obeyed. And it opened up the door for supernatural provision. And when you obey God, it will open the door for you for supernatural provision in your life. What do you need? And so... A little time passed, and her son got sick. He got so sick that he died. It was very serious. I don't know what it was. It doesn't say, but he got sick, and he, he died, and they called for the prophet to come back. So Elijah came, and of course we see in the scripture there that he took the boy. He went in, and he did what? He prayed. He laid over the boy. And as he did, he wrapped him in his arms and he spoke forth and the soul of the child came back into him and he was revived. He was raised from the dead. Glory to God. He's awesome in this place. He lives in you. And he wants to work through you. And so a little time went on, and um, after many days, the Bible says, Elijah returned, and we know the story where he begins to challenge the people about whose God is God. 
And Elijah, you know, he, he was just amazing because he said, okay, we're, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call fire down from heaven. And whoever God answers by fire, that God is God. So he let them go first. Of course, we know all the things that they went through. Tried doing all these different things and nothing worked. But of course, he stepped up. And he was, he was going to make sure that it, nobody else got, you know, credit for that. So he did extra things. Poured the water on the sacrifice. I mean, just, just went over and above. That's who he was. And so we know that he called down fire from heaven and it, it, it consumed the sacrifice. Brought, took up all the water out of that, that place that he had prepared. And it was just an amazing thing before the people because, again, their God was supposed to be what? The God who controlled the weather. Well, a little bit of time went by. And Elijah leaves. And this is where we're going to pick up in chapter 19. And we're going to look at um, verse uh, 2. Then uh, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now about this time Elijah was on empty. He had been doing a lot of things that uh, required faith, that required energy, that required his time and his focus. The required revelation from heaven. But you know, even Jesus pulled himself away. He went up early to pray. He stayed late. He would speak to the Father. That was his priority, to receive revelation from heaven. And Elijah hadn't been doing that. And so, verse 4, it says, or verse 3, it says, And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. And he went to Bersia which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. Are we talking about the same man? It is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. So fear, discouragement, and depression began to sit in. Do you see the progression of that? Fear came to his door. He didn't resist it. And then discouragement. And then depression. Then he got suicidal. See, Elijah had been living at a level that required revelation from heaven. His perspective changed. When he looked at the natural. So like when they were in the boat and they looked at the waves and the sea and how it tossed to and fro. How the storm came up. You got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus when you're walking on water. And he certainly was. He was living a supernatural life. Until he took his eyes off of heaven. And fear gripped his heart. And there was no revelation. But you know, God is so merciful. And he's going to be merciful to you. The mercy seat sits over the law. 
Mercy existed before your faith and it, it extends beyond your faith. So rest in his mercy. It's not by works. Faith is a rest. You believe. So here comes an angel from the Lord. And it says, let's see, let's pick it up here. Um, verse 5. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Again, but God. <laughs> he was not doing well, but God shows up. And he looked up, and there by his head was a cake baked on a coals, and a jar of water, and he ate, and he drank, and he lied down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. Be filled. you got to eat. you got to eat substance, natural substance, spiritual substance, because the journey is great on this earth. Be filled. So he arose, and he ate, and he drank, and he went in the strength of that food for what? Forty days and forty nights. I think it's so interesting that, you know, sometimes the very most important thing that you can do in the midst of a crisis is to get some natural rest. To eat so that your brain works right. Drink plenty of water. Do things that minister to your body. See, you are a spirit. You have a soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, but you live where? In a physical body. And all three of those areas need ministry. You can't neglect any of them. You have to minister to all of them. And so we see here what had happened, that the Lord was so merciful, and he came and he ministered to Elijah. And so it goes on to say down how... Um, he began to hear from the voice of God. And we don't have time to read all of that passage of Scripture. But I think that one thing that's really important, when you're being led by the Spirit of God, which he will see that he was, you know, it says that the voice of the Lord was not found. Let me find that part so I can read that to you. Um, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And the Lord passed by, a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was what? A still, small voice. See, God's not in the natural. He has a still, small voice that's going to speak to your heart. And lead you and guide you. One way is through the inward witness. You know that red light, yellow light, green light? Where he speaks to your heart. And you're about to do something and you got a red light. You better stop. Oh, you're about to do something. It doesn't make sense up here, but there's a green light, so you go. Or sometimes there's a yellow light, so you just stop and pray until you're fully persuaded. To get the red or the green and God leads you. But one thing about being led is you have to walk slowly. You can't make quick decisions. Again, you've got to be fully persuaded. And that takes time. The Lord will confirm his leading to you. He'll do it through different ways and different means. Take the time to be fully persuaded. 
Be careful not to put your own interpretation. How many times do we do that? That's dangerous. But when you're fully persuaded and you know in your heart there's faith, and when there's faith, there's a rest, and you can walk, and you can be assured, you can have a blessed assurance that it is well, and it shall be well. It shall be so. And so there's so much more about that. You know, again, it's just such a blessing to be able to look at these people and see from their lives how we can glean the wisdom of God and learn from their successes, learn from their failures. You know, I think the thing that gripped Elijah's heart was the fact that he began to see himself as a grasshopper. You know, I have... Uh, Numbers chapter 13, where they didn't want to go in and take the land because they saw their selves as grasshoppers in the sight of giants. So again, if you start sensing that you're a grasshopper, you start seeing that in any way, you've got to take note of that and do something about it. No, I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a giant killer. You gotta face that giant just like David did. You gotta run towards him. You're dead in the name of the Lord. Whatever situation's in your life, whatever's troubling troubling you, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Whose responsibility is that? It's ours. Don't let it. Amen? Fear takes you out, but faith will always take you in. I want to tell you about a little story here about my precious daughter-in-law and how about seven months ago she got a call from CPS, um, Child Protective Services, and her little niece was about to be put into foster care. She was three months old. And they said, would you take her? And so she had to give an answer. So she said, let me call you back. She talked to my son, and they agreed that, okay, they said it would be for six weeks. We'll take her. So she called back, and she says, we'll take her. And they said, okay, uh, that'll be fine. And a few, uh, like a couple hours later, somebody's knocking at her door. They came in. They inspected the place, and she's a C, <laughs> different So she has an order to things. She's highly organized, and everything's in its place, and, you know, they're all on schedules, that kind of thing. She's just precious. She's, she's amazing, is really what she is, because she has such a heart to want to do all that she can do for her family. She puts her family first. And so um, they came in, they left, and they called back in about an hour, and they said, okay, can you meet us? We're, we're ready to give her to you. The same day. And when they give her to you, I mean, there's no diapers, there's no formula, there's nothing like that. Here here you go. Good thing she had a car seat. So she took the the little one in and, you know, it it was a delight. She she called her work and she was able to get off. She's a a tax uh, researcher and so she was able to get off work through the Family Leave Act and took six weeks off and... Um, wasn't even concerned if she got paid or not, but you know what? Her company paid her for that six weeks. What a blessing. So the six weeks were up, and she was thinking it was time for the little one to go back. But you know what? 
She got a call. Oh, sorry, it's not six weeks, it's six months. That's a whole different commitment, isn't it? See, she gets up, she starts work at five in the morning. They have three children, a 14-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 4-year-old. So, you know, her quiver quiver's already full, and I already told you she's a C temperament. I mean, she doesn't go to McDonald's. She cooks dinner every night. So she took on this responsibility and this commitment, and she extended herself really past... <laughs> Mary's laughing over there. <laughs> she extended herself past what she purposed in her heart to do. Okay, now this is important because the scripture says, as a man purposes in his heart, so let him give. Well, she's already into this commitment. What do you do at this point, you know? But she wasn't sleeping because she has a, this was a three-month-old, you know, where you get up during the night, a couple of times during the night, and then she starts work at five, so she wasn't getting any sleep almost this entire time. And so, again, she has a spirit of generosity about her. And you got, but you've got to be led in what you commit to. And she was into it. I, I, we all know how that is. She was attached. Now, I'm going to talk about tithing, because, you know, our first fruits are to go to the Lord, our tithes to the Lord. But in your giving, you've got to be led where you um, sow your, your resources whether they're financial, or whether it's your energy, whether it's your time, your talent, whatever. And when you are led, there is a grace to do what you're led to do as you purpose in your heart. Have you ever taken up a task, all of a sudden, like this, something requires you to come out of your comfort zone, out of things that you're doing in your everyday routine, and all of a sudden, you're thrown into a situation where you're doing so much more? responsible for so much more. Well, again, there's a grace that will come on you. It'll settle down on you. It will help you. It'll sustain you. It'll lift you up. But it's for a season. It's for a period of time. And so she walked in that grace for a while, and it was, it was not easy, but it was, it was, it was uh, possible. But towards the end, when it got to the sixth month, they started saying, oh, it might be another six months. And she had a decision to make, which was very difficult. But what began to happen is she began to get so fatigued and so tired and so worn down that emotionally, mentally, she started having anxiety and it affected her physically. I mean, she was literally, literally having a breakdown. It was more than what she could bear. Again, she's that C, C temperament. She's trying to do everything perfectly. And you can't. You can do things with excellence, but you can't do things perfectly, C temperaments, because there's no one perfect. And there's a performance trap. That you don't want to get caught in that, that'll say, if you don't perform at this level, then you are not acceptable. That's the trap of the enemy. Again, do it with excellence, but don't expect perfection. And so she began to get this condition, which is called Epaphroditis-itis. You heard of that? It's found in Philippians chapter 2. Thank you, Pastor Tom. I called him up. I said, where's my concordance? 
there you are. I said, where is Epaphroditus-itis? He goes, what? So Epaphroditus, of course, he got what was called Epaphroditus-itis, that's what we call it, because he was burnt out, because he was serving so much, because there was a lack of support to Paul and his ministry. And he went beyond to fill the gap and did more. And it says in the scriptures in Philippians 2 that it, it was unto death because he gave out so much that he burnt out. And when you give out till you burn out, you need healing. Emotional, mental, physical, spiritual healing. And so what she began to do, she began to look to the word. And when you look to the word, it's, it's just an awesome thing because God is there to lift you up. He says in Isaiah, when you pass through those kinds of waters that he'll be with you. When you go through those rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. In the New Living Testament, it says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. You might feel like you're going under. I call Michelle sometimes back there. I love this. I'll say, how are you doing? And if it's a time of stress, she's always got an awesome attitude because she has something else in her heart, another spirit. The Spirit of God just works in here. But I'll call her, and she'll be doing so many things at work. And I'll say, how are you doing, Michelle? And she'll say, my head's above water. So I pick that up and I use it. Oh, my head's above water. I'm above this. I'm not beneath it. Amen? And that's a different perspective. And so it says, when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. The flames will not consume you. And so that's what my precious little daughter-in-law began to do is she just put the word before her and the word became life to her and she kept feeding upon it and feeding upon it and feeding upon it. And in the natural, she didn't know how she was going to make it. I remember one night I called her and she was, I could tell, it was like the, you know, straw. And just emotionally, there was just so much, because the baby at that point was like six months and crawling all over the place, and it just changes things, you know? You know. You know. (laughs) Sabrina. So what happened was um, I went over to visit her, and I said, I'm coming, and I'm spending the night. And so I, I, I just was present. Do you know your presence makes such a difference? when you are present in people's life, you don't even have to say anything. Just be there. Be present. God will give you words to say, but just go. So I went and I sat there with her and it was just so amazing because she said to me afterwards, just even just recently, um, the baby did go back with mom, by the way, was reunited and Um, just so many wonderful things began to happen through that situation. And she began to know God at a level she didn't know God. She began to see God work 
uh, in situations that it just seemed like, would that ever happen? And yes, it's happening even now to that family. I just believe that family is going to be whole in Jesus' name and free in Jesus' name. And so anyhow, um, she said to me that she said, you know what? You coming meant so much because when you came, you loved me. And because you loved me, I could love another. That's what God does through you. He's awesome in this place. And love never fails. It's so tangible. It makes such a difference. And that's who God is. He is love. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. You don't have to author it. You don't have to finish it. He will do that for you. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He wants to claim your end. See, the devil wants to claim your end, but, but Jesus is claiming your end. I remember one time I was going through a difficult time. This was years ago. And you know how the voice of God just speaks to you? And the voice of God came up to me and he said, it said to me that scripture just came up in my heart and I just knew it was God talking to me. And it was a scripture that said, Jesus was speaking to actually Peter. He said, Satan has desired to have you, to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Do you know what that did for me to hear those words from Jesus? That revelation from heaven that Jesus is my intercessor and he's praying for me so that my faith fails not? He loves you. He's so for you. He's got you. He's got you. His hand is upon you for good. And the devil's not going to assist you like we. He's not going to take you out. You're going to stand. And having done all to do, you're going to stand there for having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, and your feet are going to be shod with the gospel, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and the shield of faith. They're going to bring you through. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm so blessed to say my precious little daughter-in-law, she sure came through. She came through strong. Oh, she came through stronger than, than she ever imagined and knows God in a deeper way, in a greater way. Has more revelation from heaven concerning who he is and what he wants to do in her life. And so, Father, we thank you for the word tonight, for revelation from heaven. And again, we just seek it. We ask you for it. We search after it. We cannot be without it, Lord. But the good news is we don't have to because you're going to grant it. And so I pray for these. I pray that no matter what they're going through, and everybody goes through things in life, no matter what it is, Lord, 
that you're going to minister revelation from heaven to their hearts concerning whatever concerns them. And you said you would perfect all that does concern us. So I ask you to do that, Lord. I ask you to intervene and to help them and to lift them up and to bring them strength and encouragement, direction, the leading of your spirit, revelation of your word, and joy, Lord, so that there's hope in believing. And hope produces joy as you believe. Hmm. Thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.